Who was that? Who was that? Trouble. Alin, you're always so encouraging. You have a gift of encouragement. <laughs> All right, guys, can we just open in prayer real quick? <clears throat> Father God, we thank you so far that we've been in your presence and meeting with you. And God, I ask that today the word that you give would touch hearts and bring freedom in the name of Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Last week, Jason was mentioning to you guys that over the next few weeks, we're going to be just kind of reviewing some basic Christian principles that can transform your life. They're keys to your freedom. They're keys to you walking into the destiny that God has for you. And today's key that we're giving you is how to forgive your purpose and your healing in forgiveness. There is purpose and there is healing in forgiveness. You know, how many of you have been hurt? Better response this morning. Last night, I think three hands went up, and I was like, okay, well, see you later. Then you don't need to hear this. (laughs) But we have all been hurt, all of us. Someone has either said something that rubbed us the wrong way, did something that hurt us, disappointed us, you name it. Hurt comes that is inevitable. And that is because we live in a very broken and hurting world. The enemy right now is just running rampant. And it's his purpose, right? The Bible calls him a thief. And his purpose is to steal and kill and destroy and take you down. The enemy knows this one very big truth. That if we all really grasp it, maybe we would live a little differently. And it's the truth that God creates everything with purpose. He creates all of us with purpose. Inside of you, there is a reason why God created you. You weren't just a mistake. You weren't just a happenstance. You were created for a purpose. Your parents may have said, I didn't want you. I didn't need you. You were a surprise. But God knew you. Before you, you were even a thought in your mother's womb, he knew you and wrapped up purpose inside of you. You see, the enemy, as we've already established, wants to kill that purpose. He is a thief, he is a liar, and he will do anything to stop the plans and purposes of God. And he uses us as people to achieve that. So he will do anything in his power to stop you. And usually he will use other people to stop us. He will cause other people to bring hurt and pain so he could throw your body, your spiritual vehicle, into park. But I want to share with you today that there is hope. Many of you are familiar with my story of how hurt I was even as a child. I was, I was abused for years. We don't know how long, but it was a, a lengthy period of time that we know. And I have very few memories as a child growing up. I was raped at the age of 15. And those are just two things. And in between the words that were spoken, the things that were done to hurt. Suffered big disappointment. But I want to share today that there is hope. That what the enemy intended for evil and to throw me into park, God says there is purpose in your pain. And what the enemy has done for your evil, I will turn it around for good. Yes, you're excited this morning. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) There's going to be some things I'm sure I say today that some of you may not like. 
Sorry. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> but it is the truth. And it is my heart today to impart truth to you and to give you keys so that you can find freedom for your life too. Amen? So one of the first things I want to establish is this. What forgiveness is not. Okay? Forgiveness is not forgetting or pretending that something did not happen. It happened. You cannot, you know, like men in black, they had that thing that could erase your memory. We don't have one of those. So we can't pretend that something didn't happen and we're not going to forget, but we can move on from the pain of what took place. The second thing, forgiveness is not allowing yourself to be continually hurt. Because you say to someone who is hurting you, I forgive you, it is not a ticket for them to continue to hurt you. You need to put healthy boundaries up in your life to protect yourself and potentially your family. Okay? Forgiveness does not equal trust. Listen, I still see one of my abusers on the occasional time. But will I let her near my kids? Heck no. It's not that I'm angry towards her. I honestly have no anger. To, I have given her a hug and a kiss. No ill feelings towards her whatsoever. But I do not trust her. She hasn't repented. She was confronted and denies. I'll never get an I'm sorry, which forgiveness is not dependent on an I'm sorry. But it doesn't equal trust. Someone broke that trust and they better earn it back. But I might not give you a chance. <laughs> forgiveness is not a feeling. It is not a feeling. It is a choice. Okay? You will never feel like letting go of someone who hurts you. You'll never feel like saying, yeah, now's a good time to stop seeking my revenge on someone who hurt me. It is not a feeling. It is a choice. And we all at some point must decide to let go. Okay? There's a video that I found that I think just shows what bitterness, so feelings of unforgiveness look like anger, bitterness, resentment, and just downright ugh. And I found a video that clearly depicts, I feel, this whole, what it looks like to walk in unforgiveness. And we're going to take some steps following that to show you why we need to forgive and how to forgive. But I will warn you, it's a bit intense. So it's intense. So let's watch it. Whoa, 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 what's going on? What? what? Hey, whoa, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? Hey, hey, hey. I've been waiting a long time for this. 
Caleb, Caleb, what, what, what are you doing? Wait, wait, no, 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 Caleb, Caleb! There's an arrow in your foot. What? Caleb, what, what is going on? You know exactly what's going on. No, I don't. What is going on? What? You want to know what's going on? You offended me. When you did this, you did this. And you did this. But I forgive you! No, okay, okay, wait, Caleb, can we please just, just, just talk about this? Let's just talk about this. Seriously, we, we, we can figure this. Whoa, whoa, okay, okay, okay. Say you're sorry! Say you're sorry. I'm, 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 uh, I'm sorry. I'm so <laughs> Louder! I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Hey, I'm sorry. So, so, uh, are we? Are we good? I'm not finished with you yet. Caleb, honestly, I feel like this is just, this is just a little bit of a... Seriously, this... This... It's poison. Caleb, Caleb, wait, no, no, Caleb. Caleb, Caleb, Caleb. Please sustain me. What? Caleb, what are you doing? You can feel it going down your throat, can't you? Caleb, you have to stop. What? <laughs> Caleb. <coughs> what? <coughs> now. <coughs> now we're even. Clearly you find that funny versus intense. <laughs> I'm the one who covers my head during Lord of the Rings. You guys are probably on the edge of your seat going, <laughs> But isn't that such a clear depiction of what unforgiveness truly looks like? Is that we hold on to the pain. We hold on to the anger. We hold on to the feelings of like, I'm going to get you. But they have moved on, my friends. They're not even giving it a second thought. There's two things in that video that really struck me. And the one is that he kept a record of wrongs. When you think of the person or people that have hurt you, don't you kind of rehearse what goes over in your head, what happened? But they did this. 
I can't forgive them because of that and this and this. Right? And could you see, I'm sure the moment that those hurts happened, I know in my life, my mind wasn't as affected as it was even after when I chose to hold on to that unforgiveness. And here's why you have to choose to forgive. Because your life depends on it. It truly does. Your physical and mental health depend on it, and your spiritual health depends on it. There's a, there's a study going around right now, and it's a, it's a founded study. It says that 97% of mental illness can be tracked back to a hurt that's been unforgiven. That is astronomical. 97%. In Proverbs 15, 13, it says, A glad heart makes a happy face, but a broken heart crushes the spirit. Okay? It's going to torment you if you don't let go. It will eventually suck the life right out of you. you will, the enemy wants you to keep rehearsing what has happened over and over and over again so that he can steal your joy, he can steal your hope, he can steal your peace, and then ultimately steal your purpose. The enemy's goal is to steal your hope, which brings peace and joy, which will help you achieve what God has called you to do. When you continue to hold on to your unforgiveness, it's like you're handing the key over to the enemy to say, here you go. You have keys to my mind. You have keys to my spirit. Now go ahead and wreak havoc. Your life depends on it. There's also a great scripture that said in Proverbs 14.30, says a sound mind makes a robust body, but runaway emotions corrode the bones. There's a doctor who is a chief of surgery at the Center <clears throat> Cancer Treatment Center of America, and he says that refusing to forgive makes people sick and keeps them that way. Um, he says harboring these negative emotions like anger and hatred creates a state of chronic anxiety. He said chronic anxiety is very, predi very predictably produces excess adrenaline and cortisol, which deplete the production of natural killer cells, which is your body's first foot soldier in fighting against disease. Is it worth it? Look it. You holding on to this hurts only you. And ultimately, it will hurt the body of Christ. But it hurts you. The second reason why we need to forgive is because we have been forgiven. And this is where I want to camp. You have been forgiven much. Earlier this week, one of my daughters had a rough day. Got caught up in some drama, said some things, did some things. And she was feeling pretty rotten about it. And we were sitting on my back, in, in our back patio area. And she's like, Mom, have you done anything wrong ever? It's like, bless your heart. <laughs> I'm like, sure have. <laughs> and she's like, well, what? What have you ever done wrong, Mom? And so I'm like, oh, what's the PG version that I can give her <laughs> of my life? And I remembered this time where I was a little girl, 
And I, we were sitting on a porch, you know, playing with, you know, doing each other's hair and painting nails and playing Barbies and having a great old time. But she had a scab on her face. My friend had a scab on her face. And I, I had this brilliant idea that I would help the healing process by knocking it off with my brush. So I just hauled off and smacked that thing. The girl went crying home, obviously. She didn't talk to me for a couple of days, obviously. And then I got a spanking that night because a phone call came home. <laughs> so my daughter was like, oh my gosh, mom, really? You did that? I'm like, yeah. And I had to forgive myself. I had to ask for forgiveness. And I said, but that's just a little thing. I've done lots of things wrong. But the, the fact is, we all do things wrong and we all need to be forgiven. You know, the Bible's pretty, I'm jumping ahead of myself. I want to read this scripture to you first in Luke 15, 11 to 24. And it's a scripture that we're really familiar with if you've been saved for any length of time. And it's a story of the prodigal son. And it's a story of forgiveness. It's a story of acceptance. But there were some things that caught my attention this time when I was reading it that I didn't know before. So I'm going to share them with you this morning. So Luke 15, 11 to 24. And it says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of the estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all the money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so uh, hungry. (laughs) We get hangry sometimes. (laughs) Hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. (laughs) But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So take note of that. He's rehearsing what he's going to say. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And he said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. There's a few things that, that I, when I was reading this story that were highlighted to me, and I was like, I wonder if there's any significance to it. And the first one was when the son, well, there's a few things, so let me backtrack. Back in that day, in that culture, first century, there was a, if you wronged the family in any way, you brought dishonor to the family. And the very first thing the son did was bought, brought dishonor to his family by wishing his father dead. When you go to the patriarch of the home, to your tribe 
king, whoever he may be, and you say, hey, I want, you really should be dead by now. So how about you hand over what's going to be mine anyway? So he basically was just wishing his dad dead, which brought dishonor to the family, number one. The second thing is when the son went out and lived his life and said he lived it with wild living in a distant land, that was another form of bringing dishonor to the family. He went off with people he shouldn't have been you know, associating with. He was drinking. He was engaging in not lewd behavior. <laughs> and he lost all of his money in wild living. And that brought dishonor on the family. Now, here's what I think. doesn't say so in the Bible, but here's my presumption is that word was getting back home of how the son was living. I really think so. And as the son is out in the fields and he's starving and he's hungry and he's coming to his senses, that being with the father is better than being here. He says something that's really key, and he says, I'd rather be, like, be made a, a slave in my father's house. And I've always heard it taught as like, he was coming to his senses and, you know, anything is better than here. But history would show us it's a little bit different. That because he brought dishonor on the family, he would have been cast out from the family. And he wouldn't have been allowed back except under the terms as a slave. There's a ceremony that would have been performed on his arrival called the Kizaza ceremony. And it's when the community would be watching for this person to return. And they would rush out to meet him before he could come. They would take a clay pot and break it and say, you are no longer worthy to be called son. You cannot come. You have brought shame and humiliation on this family. You are cut off. So it wasn't that he was saying it would be better if. He was saying, I know what's coming. I know what I deserve. And I'm going to go back and take what I deserve. No longer son, but slave. And the other cultural thing that's so important is this. Is that the father, it says the father saw him from a long way off. And he ran. He didn't jog. He didn't speed walk. He ran. And in order for a man to run, first of all, it was taboo to run in those days for a man because he would have to lift his tunic and bare his legs so that he could run full stride. That is a symbol of shame and humiliation. And the father chose to run to his son, lifting up his tunic and saying, I got to get there before the community does. Before they bring his judgment, his final judgment, let me intercept him with my love. And the father runs to him and embraces him. And the son is saying, Father, do you remember what he was rehearsing to say? Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called my son, but called your son. But before the son could even finish what he's saying, the father interrupts him and says, My son has come home and lavishes him with love and forgiveness. 
This is a picture of God's love for you. He is coming to intercept your self-condemnation, your self-judgment. He's coming to intercept you with his love and his forgiveness to say, I don't care what the world would say about you. I don't care what you would say about you. And quite frankly, I most definitely don't care about what the enemy would say about you because here I am coming. I will bear your shame. I will bear your humiliation on your behalf. What love is this? I am so ever thankful that God would look at me and say, I will choose to forgive you and say to me, no longer slave, but daughter. No longer slave, but son. How can I have been forgiven so much? Then look at those that have hurt me and say, I can't forgive you. Listen to this scripture. This is where you don't like me. James 2.10. Listen, because I know, listen. I know. Because I used to say, but God, I didn't. But they did this. And the scale, you know the scale of sin that we use? Well, there is none. James 2.10 says, For the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as the one who has broken all of God's laws. We're on equal playing field, my friends. We all have sinned. We all have fallen short. And we are all in need of forgiveness and a savior. Matthew 6, 14 to 15 says this. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Scary. Your eternal life depends on this too. You cannot toy with unforgiveness and bitterness. Listen, back to the beginning. Remember how we said there's purpose in each one of us? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> there's purpose in each one of us. There's a calling that God has wrapped up inside of you that only you can accomplish. But if we choose to hold on, to this bitterness, anger, hatred, jealousy, unforgiveness. We cannot run our race well. It is like we have tied around our waist an anchor. We might be able to drag it if we're lucky, but how is that running the race well? Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set for us. You will cross the finish line, but you gotta let go. You can't take that with you to where God wants to take you. And he wants to redeem, 
what the enemy has stolen. So how? How do I forgive? Okay, well, this is easier said than done, and it's a simple four-step process. Right? Simple? <laughs> Not really. Number one, decide. You have to decide that you want your freedom. You have to decide that it's more important for you to follow what God wants you to do than to hold on to your past. You must decide that now is the time to let to say goodbye to your abusers and the ones that have hurt you and disappointed you and move into all that God has for you. You must decide. No one else can do that for you. The second thing is ask. Ask the Holy Spirit for help. The Bible says that he, he will send a helper. And that's the Holy Spirit. And he lives inside of us. And he will help you. Ask him to help you. The third thing, and again, this is where you might not like me, but release blessing. The Bible says pray for those that have abused or mistreated you. Those who have offended you. Pray for them and release blessing. This is when you know you have really forgiven. Okay? <laughs> and then the last thing is receive healing, peace, joy, and hope. Okay? So here's what the prayer might look like. Before forgiveness has really happened and after. Dear God, I choose to forgive so-and-so. God, you know what they did. You remember when it made me feel so mad and angry, dirty, filthy, unlovable. And then we dwell on our feelings because we feel like that's more important than what happened. <laughs> I choose to forgive them. And I, I ask you to bless them, Lord. You know what they need now. Get them good. God bless them, Lord. <laughs> that would be called phony forgiveness. You are beginning the steps of forgiveness, but it's not true forgiveness yet. And then you go back to you where it's like, Jesus, fill me. Help me. Right? It becomes about you. Somewhere along the process... It stops being about you, and it becomes about them. And this is what I used to pray. Father God, I choose to forgive so-and-so for abusing me, for raping me. God, you know how it made me feel. It made me feel worthless, unlovable, and dirty. But God, I receive your healing today. Come and fully heal my damaged heart and broken emotions. And I release those feelings to you, God. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to go and bless so-and-so. God, I pray for their salvation. God, they need you just as much as I need you. Would you release blessing in their life so that they would know that all good things come from you? God, I release them into your hands. Bless them, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. See the difference. I did both, and there was a long process in between. <laughs> some were quicker, some were not. 
but you keep working at it daily until you feel that release. And then you can say, I'm free from anger. I am free from bitterness. I am free from all the residual effects that have happened because of this event in my life. And you're free. Then you can look at that past and say, Jesus, now you can redeem it. Now you can redeem it. Now I can go to someone else who's struggling with the exact same thing and say, come follow me as I follow him. Let me help you along the way. I know that it can be hard, but I'm right by your side. And what a privilege it has been for me to walk through this with many women and even men who have been hurt and wounded this way. Listen, sometimes you'll also catch yourself speaking some negative things about yourself, right? Because of the event of what happened. Lies like, I'm worthless. I'll never find the right one. Or this will never end. Or you fill in the blank. Y'all know what you believe. But I want you to, here I'm giving you another key Okay, I'm I'm trying to equip you this morning. And here's another key, another prayer that you can pray. And it's, Father God, I renounce and reject the lie that I am unlovable. Father God, what is the truth that you want me to know? When you are equipped with the truth, the lie loses its grip. It is like you're unlocking that lie and saying you have no more power because the truth sets you free and you are made free indeed. It begins to lose its power. So when God gives you truth, when he speaks truth into your heart and into your mind, then look up that truth in the scripture. Because when that lie comes again and says, blah, 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 you can then turn to the, to turn to the enemy and say, hey, shh. God said, I am lovable. I'm his favorite. I'm his and he's mine. And then you can pull that scripture out and say, you want a double whammy? You want the old too far? Okay, let's go. The word of God says. And then you rehearse your scripture. Now listen, you might not be so tough at first. But the more that you exercise it, the stronger you become. When you've been hurt and the lie is existing, you've got to push through. It might be painful, but, the, but what it produces is so worth it. When you have hurt or injured a part of your body, you need to go to physiotherapy, correct? To work that muscle ligament out, you've got to work at it. And it is painful to begin But as that muscle gets stronger and stronger and stronger, you're healed. And you can move on. And it's the same in the spiritual. That God wants to come. He wants to heal you. He wants to remove all the residual effects that that hurt has produced in your life. And he wants you to be able to walk in freedom and strength into the destiny he has for you. Two last things. And one of them is learning to forgive yourself. If Jesus chose to forgive you, why are you choosing to not? If he says, when I have, right, when we have conversations with the Lord, but God, do you remember when? No, I don't. You said you were sorry, so I threw it away. 
into a sea of forgetfulness, the Bible says. We need to forgive ourselves. And sometimes that can be the hardest because it can produce a lot of shame of the things that we've done in our past. But if, the, if God has chosen to forgive you, give yourself a break and choose to forgive yourself. And I will say this, is that if you are constantly living under the condemnation of what you've done, that is not God, but that is the enemy. And he's still lying to you. So find that truth and hold on to it for dear life. And sometimes it gets raging. I remember this time, I'll tell you a really quick story. My whole life I was told I could never lead. I was told that I could never be a voice in the church because I was a woman. And I remember the first time I was given the opportunity to lead a small group. And I was like, oh, Lord. My knees were knocking. (laughs) My hands were sweaty. Like, it was legit. Fear had, like, taken a grip. But I was beginning to work out my faith in this area, work out my freedom in this area. And I had scriptures, and I had my declarations of faith. And I'll never forget, we were, it was a, it was a, we were co-leading. Marisa and I were co-leading a small group. And I'm not sure where she was. It doesn't matter. That's not the point. But we were in her apartment. And all of a sudden, just before we cracked open the Bible, it was like, you think you can lead? Yeah, right. You're going to fail. You can't do this. Who are you? Like just boom, like bombs going off in my head. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like I couldn't even focus. And I got up, I excused myself. I'm like, I'm going to go, you know, in the kitchen. And I went in the kitchen and I stood in front of her fridge. And she had a little cutout in the window here and the doorway was here. But I stood in front of the fridge because no one could see me. And I just went like, in the name of Jesus, shut up. I'm going to do this whether you like it or not. The Bible says that I am called and anointed. The Bible says this. And then I was like... And then I felt God say, what do leaders do? And I said, leaders serve. And he goes, go and serve. So I grabbed as many pop bottles and juice bottles that I could hold. I'm like, who wants a drink? <laughs> and I was like, watch this, Satan. <laughs> <laughs> okay? Sometimes bombs are going off, but stand firm. The other thing, forgive God. Sometimes we feel like we need to forgive God. But the truth is, God is perfect. And he has done nothing wrong. We do not need to forgive God. All good and perfect things come from God. Every good gift is God's, from God. Okay? He has not done anything wrong. And if we are blaming him, we don't understand him. Listen, I had one of the biggest disappointments of my life. And that's when I watched my mother dwindle away and pass away. Weeks before I got married. And I tell you, I did everything right. I prayed for her. All night, many nights, I would wake up at 6 a.m. on my knees. My head drowned in my bed because I couldn't make it. But my heart was to pray all night for her multiple times. We anointed her body with oil over and over. When she was able to move, we brought her to every healing thing we could think of. I prayed. I fasted. We declared over her body. She she had scriptures, and we would read the scripture and insert her name in the scripture. 
And she got weaker and weaker and weaker. And then she died. I was like, what? And I got angry at God. And I tell you, it, it, it was like a, just a shot to my faith. And I'm going to be real honest, I couldn't even pray for people to be healed anymore. I would do it because I felt like I had to, but in my heart I didn't believe. Because I saw this. And I was angry at God. I said, God, like, I did everything right. Why did you answer me no? And I don't have an answer for you. I don't. But this I can say. God did not author my mother to die that way. He did not author me to suffer the pain that I did when she said goodbye or when I had to say goodbye. She was nonverbal by the end. But he redeemed it. And I have been able to walk in freedom. And I remember having a conversation with God months later. I held on to this for months. And I was laying in the bathtub. I was like, God, I'm so mad at you. This hurts beyond belief. But I will declare the truth of the word of God. Is that you are a good, good father. And I choose to let go of my pain, of my disappointment, of my bitterness. And I ask you to come and wash over my broken heart. What the enemy intends for my harm, God will redeem it. Do you remember a few weeks ago when Jason and Angie were preaching? And they said that God is a restorer of wasted things. In God's economy, there is nothing wasted. But there is an opportunity for God to use you and your story. So who is waiting for you? Beyond your unforgiveness. Who needs to hear your story of hope? Who needs to hear your story of forgiveness? And it's, there's hope beyond my pain. Come on, guys. Get angry at the enemy here. <laughs> Don't let him throw your purpose into park. But allow yourself to move forward into all that God has called you. Two. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, we are so thankful that you love us so much that we can't even understand it all. And God, I thank you that you have taken the time and care to run after us all the time. God, thank you for taking our shame, our humiliation, our pain, our suffering, and that you trade it for hope and joy and peace and purpose. I just want to take a moment. I don't know who's here 
and whether or not you have a relationship with the Lord. But I want to take this opportunity and ask, if you need and you know that you need forgiveness, that you need a new start, that you need to find your purpose in the pain that you've experienced, and you know that only Jesus is the answer to that, I would love the privilege to pray with you a simple prayer of inviting Jesus to become a part of your life. And if that's you, say, yes, I, I need forgiveness. I need Jesus. I need to start this journey with him. If that's you, would you be so brave as to put your hand up and say, yeah, that's me. Would you pray with me? Just go ahead. If that's you, put your hand up. greatest decision of your life when you finally find purpose and healing in Jesus. Is there anyone here this morning 